Hi, my name is Diane Kaler. I'm the director of Nutrition Therapy Institute, and I'm here to do our next installment of Pod Talk. And this is our interview to instructors, students, um, grads, anyone who has something interesting to say about nutrition or about Nutrition Therapy Institute. And today we are talking with Megan Grover. Um, she is one of our uh, favoritely rated instructors that we have here. So um, welcome, Megan. And I, I want to thank you for being an instructor here because we place uh, high priority and pride instructors that we have here. And uh, you definitely are one of those that we're very proud to have. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so I, I first want to ask you uh, if you can talk about your background, kind of um, or your educational background, any lifestyle background that you want to talk about, and, and kind of what brought you to be interested in nutrition. Yeah, I initially, I guess my initial interest in nutrition really was because I was a long distance runner in high school and in college. And throughout that time period, struggled a lot with disordered eating. And as a result, was having a lot of health problems. So I was an, often anemic. I was amenorrheic, not getting my cycle. And um, often like having an extremely low blood pressure. And so I was having all these issues. So it made me kind of start to do a lot of my own research in female health, just because I had so many problems with food. Um, and also simultaneously even though I wasn't eating enough, also feeling addicted to things like sugar. So at the time I was doing a lot of my own research in nutrition, which is really curious, but I also kind of wanted to be in the medical field because I felt like that was the best route to help people. Yet, even though I didn't really have any understanding of the holistic side of health, I didn't have any interest in pharmaceuticals at all. So after I finished undergrad, I went and worked at a school in Malawi for a year. And while I was working there, I got the opportunity to go visit this one village pretty regularly. And it was just an eye-opening experience, mainly because of a lot of the nutritional deficiencies and protein deficiency and malnutrition that was affecting especially children. That while I was there, I, in my mind, I kept thinking nutrition really is an amazing tool that's an affordable resource to help people get better outside of pharmaceuticals um, or aid that is maybe not beneficial. So after that, I ended up going to grad school in the UK to study nutrition um, and medical science, which was a really amazing experience. And But yet at the time, my schooling was really based more on Western medicine. So a lot of their perspective around macronutrients and food was still very much not holistic, still very much influenced by the medical industry. So that kind of is where a lot of my perspective started out with, but it was a really good degree. It was very research-based. So it, it taught me to think a lot for myself. And then eventually as time went on, I started to shift my perspective. And again, a lot of it still related to my disordered eating and of avoiding things like fat, but realizing I wasn't balanced. I was still craving um, and just didn't feel very well. So that ended up leading me more towards the direction of pursuing more holistic nutrition. Great. 
Yeah. Um, story short, but yeah, no, no I, I, I think it's, um, I think it's emblematic of the reason why many people start seeking out information about nutrition because they're trying to figure out what they need to do for themselves. And, you know, you're a perfect example of that. Um, so what, how much would it be to want to be an instructor here? An NTI? Yeah, at the time, I will, prior to coming to work for NTI, I had moved back to Colorado a couple of years prior, and I was working for Natural Grocers as a, like one of their in-store nutritionists, one of their, um, I can't even think of the name right now, but one of their like nutritional coaches. and. It was an interesting, yeah, I don't even know why I can't, I can't even think of the name right now, but I was basically, was there to do like nutrition consulting and teach nutrition classes to the community. And it was really fun. I really enjoyed that aspect and I learned so much, especially because it was really my transition of pursuing more holistic nutrition rather than nutrition that is promoted more by the medical industry. So I learned a lot. It was life-changing. They made me read a lot of books and do a lot of research that kind of put me into a new trajectory. But while I was there, something I noticed a lot, probably to a lot of the clients that I had at the store to their detriment, was I constantly was trying to explain a lot of the science behind what I was recommending. And I always felt super compelled to be like, this is what's going on in your body. And this is why you need to make these decisions. And half the time I noticed they didn't necessarily care. And I was like, I really just enjoy, I really enjoy teaching. Um, so I ended up leaving natural grocers because I wanted to pursue working independently. So I um, was taking on some of my own private clients and again, working with private clients, I was focusing a lot on education, but yeah, I really wanted to do more of actual teaching whether it was in the classroom or online. So that's, kind of what directed me towards NTI just because I then had the flexibility to actually start doing that as well on the side outside of just working with clients. And I had heard of NTI. I knew people who had gone to school there in Denver. So kind of the combination of the two made me seek you guys out to be like, do you have any teaching positions? And you did. Good. Um, well, we're happy you did. <laughs> um, so what do you, what do you do with your professional training as being an instructor for NTI? Yeah, I kind of have a few different hats. I, um, again, after all of that period, I ended up leaving Denver to move to California. So now I also work at a university in Northern California where I teach human anatomy and, um, physiology and nutrition as well. So when I first moved out here, I, I, I still kept a lot of my clients when I traveled out here and then it became too difficult just because we weren't present with each other. So at the moment, I don't have any of the clients that I had in Colorado. Um, so that kind of phased out because I was focusing on like the new job of teaching here, especially because I was developing all of my curriculum for all of those classes. So now, again, I'm kind of in the process of trying to start an apothecary. We'll see how it goes <laughs> time-wise. But I, right. <laughs> so oh, that's, wow. 
Yeah. So that's something else I'm kind of dabbling with the idea of is so is to start that. So again, I can also start focusing on educating um, the community around like holistic nutrition and herbal medicine and utilizing all of those rather than pharmaceuticals. So it's been an interesting process because this part of the country is very conservative. So a lot of people don't really know what that means when you're like, I have herbs. Are you interested in buying any? They don't really know what that means. So it's been kind of a funny, I need to come up with a new plan to implement that. <laughs> Wait, what kind of herbs are they? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, like it's promise. It's things like ashwagandha, <laughs> which they don't know what that means either. <laughs> right exactly exactly um so uh do you have a favorite nutrient or that you find or that you like to recommend food product that i consistently consume well a nu- nutrient or supplement mm. there's two that i well, i guess there's multiple i used to not be a huge fan of um, taking supplements because I always was under the presumption that you should get everything from food until I realized in our imbalanced lifestyles, that's most likely not happening unless you have tons of time during the day to consistently plan out all of your meals and shop for fresh ingredients every day. So a few that I consistently take is um, I'm a big fan of taking vitamin C consistently. And more of that is because of adrenals. So supporting the stress response and trying to keep the immune system high, as well as getting in a really amazing antioxidant to combat free radicals that also happen when you're stressed consistently. So that I take a lot, especially when I'm more stressed or feeling overworked. I also really um, consistently take or try to consistently take probiotics. I I find a big change in myself when I'm taking those regularly. Um, again, supporting the immune and stress response that impacts your gut. And then I'm also a big fan of taking a fish oil as well, just because in general, I feel like the majority of people don't consume enough omega-3s to combat the intake of omega-6s that they're consuming regularly. Yeah, so those are probably my top three. And then recently, I've been taking a multivitamin fairly consistently um, and not one that's full of a lot of vitamins and minerals. It's a food-based one. So it's pretty more of a low regimen um, just to try and stay balanced. So those, and those tend to be with clients, ones that I've consistently recommended in the past as well, just so that people feel level, I guess. Yeah. Um, so what about a, a food that you like, you consume regularly or like something that's in your daily to-do list to make sure you eat? Yeah. I, in recent years, have become a huge fan of fat consumption. So I eat a lot of fat. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So sometimes I don't always try to practice this, but it happens a lot just because of it being busy is doing a little bit of intermittent fasting in the morning. And sometimes that's unintentional, but a lot of times it happens just from pure busyness, to be honest. So one thing that I consistently always try to do is um, in the morning, if I have a cup of coffee, I typically will mix some collagen in it 
with maybe some butter or coconut oil and blend it up. And that has been a consistent go-to that I, even if I like dip out of things, that's one I consistently always go back to just because it makes me feel so balanced in the morning. And it really sets my kind of regulates my metabolism and energy level for the day where I don't feel like I'm in a craving mode. Um, and where I don't have dips in energy during the days, I just feel a lot more consistent. So consuming a lot of those high fats in the morning has been a big one for me, as well as taking collagen also, just like just getting a little bit of extra protein in the morning. So that is when I have most of the time. And then I'm consistently, if you were to open my fridge, I always have most of the time avocados, again, more fat. And I often have kale and spinach. So I'm really big into consuming a lot of greens as well. So if I think of like go-tos that are always constant, those are probably some of the main ones. So fat and greens. (laughs) (laughs) I actually resonate with that. that, Yeah. How about some of your favorite resources for nutrition information? Like, are there particular journals that you read or podcasts that you listen to or people that you follow consistently? Yeah, at the moment, I, it kind of depends on the season. So, for example, when I was working at Natural Grocers, because I'm a bit of a nerd, I hosted a book club So, <laughs> at the store. So when I was working there, I was reading nutrition books all the time um, just because I was having people who were there also read them. And they were usually ones that were recently published. So reading things like the big fat surprise was one of the books that we did, or we read like cows save the planet. Um, So I typically, I just am a book lover. So those typically tend to be the ones that I go to the most is trying to read books that have been published more recently. So things like, Big Fat Surprise or Deep Nutrition is one that I still haven't finished yet. Um, so those kind of go in seasons. And then some, and more so a lot of that reading takes place during the summer because I think during the school year, there's so much going on. And all I'm reading about is the human body and nutrition. So then when I'm reading, I kind of need a little bit of a break. But at the moment, I've been listening to a lot more of herbal medicine podcasts just because that's something... I'm alternatively also trying to pursue. So I can't think of the name of the one at the moment, but it's a, it's done by this woman who is an herbalist in England. And so she consistently will interview other herbalists as well um, through, I don't know, probably through Skype and she'll interview them and they'll talk about their favorite herb and how they make medicine out of it or what benefits they find for their body or for the clients that they work with. So that one I really love just because that's an area I'm still growing in and don't really know that much that I still want to learn a lot more about. So it kind of depends on the season. So some seasons it's reading a lot of recent nutrition books. Sometimes it's listening to more podcasts and recently it's been more herbal medicine podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My, uh, dabble or my consumption of information wavers a lot as well depending on the season and uh darkness 
yeah. tends to, to me. But I, I, I read much more in the wintertime because it's darker at night. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, what's one of the most important things that you think uh, students should know about being a future nutritionist? That's a great question. That's something I try to bring up some on the initial telesession that we have at the start of the course sometimes. Um, one thing I think that when I went into working, especially when I branched off on my own to working with clients independently out of any other organization, is I had a lot of altruistic ideas of what that was going to look like. And you have a, you get a few clients who are your token they're the ones that are like the gleaming light where you give them advice. They take your advice. They're better. They never have to see you again. They've had three meetings and they're good. And you're like, that is amazing. That's the goal. I only want you to see me a few times. You've learned what you need to know. And now you're just able to live your life. And then you have other clients where I remember there was one, I kind I almost had to, I basically had to fire him because it was becoming a weird situation, but he he never listened to anything I would tell him. So every conversation we would have, would be the, it would be the exact same conversation. And I'd be like, we've talked about this already. And he would consistently say, I know, I need you to remind me. And it would just, it felt like I was hitting my head against a wall because, and he would be like, I know what you're saying is helping because when I do that, it helps me, but I love this. And I'm like, I'm aware you love that, but it's also destroying your body based on the fact that you have an autoimmune disease. And situations like that would be really difficult or stressful. And so I think it's good to go in with the mindset that you'll have some clients where it's going to be, they're going to be amazing success stories. And then you'll have other clients where it's going to be a bit more of a rocky path and their situations will be more complicated. They won't necessarily be like, take this supplement, consume this food, and then now you're good, which is sometimes how it's communicated to you. And you start, or if you read, a lot of nutrition books, like who is the one neurologist who writes a lot about gut health? He, oh, Perlmutter, Dr. Perlmutter. Anytime you read his books, I would feel really discouraged because I'd read his books and he would say, this person had autism. I gave them a huge round of probiotics and they were cured. And I'm like, that's amazing. I've done the exact same things and have not had the same results. And it would get really, and I'm like, I want to hear your story. <laughs> not succeeded just so that I know I'm not doing something terribly wrong. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so I think it's good to like go in with an expectation that especially from and everybody, I think everybody attracts different types of clientele. And for whatever reason, I always attracted the people with autoimmune diseases, which are very complicated to work with. So people would come to me and they'd be like, my doctor has no solutions. And I'd be like, no pressure. So I have to come up with your solution. And it would, it was just, a, and I think because I'm a bit of a type A person and, and then when I care, I'm, I'm like, I have to figure out the solution. So I would do a lot of research. I would read a lot of journal articles or reference books and like figure out a perfect plan to try and treat this person but there's just some things that are so complicated. Um, so it's good to go in with that frame of mind or something, especially with autoimmunity that I learned and that I would share a lot with clients is a lot of them, it was triggered by trauma or stress. And so we would talk a lot about that and a conversation I would often have with clients is if, 
if you're not going to figure out your stress or how to manage it, you're not going to get any better. No matter what diet regimen we have you on or what supplement regimen you on are on, like you're going to continuously go back down into that arena because you're in such a state of panic. So that was a really big learning curve for me, especially just to realize how much people's mentality has a huge influence on whether or not they're going to get better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, It's um, a lot of it is based on their mentality and what their mindset is and what they believe of themselves, what they believe of what you're telling them. So, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, last question, uh, any tips for self-care during stressful situations, like being overwhelmed with schoolwork or, (laughs) um, being overwhelmed in general? Yeah. So great question. This is something I think about a lot for myself too. I recently, something I've personally tried to implement a lot is I think in the past, especially when I was a student, I just would survive off of caffeine. And that probably made situations worse, especially if you're an emotionally wired human, because then it just sets your anxiety over the edge. So one thing I have really tried to adopt is especially with caffeine intake is like limiting to like a cup of coffee in the morning. And then if you want hot beverages during the day, switch to like adaptogenic teas. So adaptogen, adaptogenic herbs have kind of become a lifesaver for me. So during stress, I live off of things like ashwagandha or milky oats um, and then kava kava sometimes if anxiety is like up to here, you know, and those have helped balance me a lot, um, especially to not feel like I have to consistently consume caffeine during a stress. And Another coping mechanism too, that I think a lot of people go to no matter what, just because we're human is alcohol, like especially things like wine, because it makes you feel nice. But I've also learned that especially during the work week, that can totally almost to a degree ruin your week because it, it, you wake up the next day feeling even more overwhelmed than you did before, even if it was just like a glass or two of wine, just because of how it affects your brain chemistry. And that is something that I've learned the hard way as well, just relating to like typical coping mechanisms during stress or trauma. And then another thing I think as well is to prioritize sleep. And I, and I get it, I'm a bit type A, so I always feel like I have to get stuff done. But then some days you just have to tell yourself, you just need to go to bed and you can figure it out tomorrow. But right now, the best thing you can do is just go to bed and go to sleep, not think about it. Cause at this point in the day, you're not going to accomplish anything because you're just in panic mode. So those have been big ones for me, like less caffeine, <laughs> less alcohol, more sleep, and then eating well also. So I think something that can make people's anxiety even worse is if they're consuming a lot of sugar and excessive carbohydrates, like even though that makes you feel good and it gives you a boost of energy when you study, it will it'll just mess up with your biochemistry and it's going to make you feel more anxious and aggravated than you did before. Yeah. And then also to do things that make you. Yes. that. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say do things that make you happy. So for me, 
I run a lot. It's a really good way to like get all of those stress hormones out of my body or at least utilize them, put them into action. So if I feel like my cortisol levels or like my epinephrine levels are up to here, then I'm like, I just need to go for a run and I'm going to burn the energy, going to burn it out of my body. And then as soon as I do that and I, and I'm able to like run and think about everything that's going on, I immediately feel like a normal human again, suddenly, you know? (laughs) So I think it's good to have practices in your life where you like are actually able to utilize the stress hormones besides just sitting on your couch and freaking out. Yeah. Very good advice. And the piece of advice that I need to take myself. So, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you so much for your time and your words of wisdom and, um, um, just sharing so much information with our listen watchers. So, um, uh, you know, thank you. And thank you for being a student or excuse me. Thank you for being an instructor at NTI. So, no, thank nice. you. I love it. This was fun. Okay, yeah, good. To work for NTI. I really enjoy it a lot.
Thank you.